Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast. It is Wednesday, June 28th when we're recording this. Also, welcome to the dog days of summer. A perfect time to take a deep and insightful look at the top 25 players on Clemson's roster. Well, at least my version of the top 25 players on the roster. Always the subject of great debate and different opinions each year. We do it, I think we've been doing it the last three summers. A lot of fun. Today is number 22 on the list. So a lot to come at TigerIllustrated.com over the next few weeks. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold based in Greenville. They are Clemson people and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse and neglect, car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith and Archenhold, call 866 866- Four nine nine zero four five eight one, or online at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Its office is located beside the Walmart neighborhood market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to Founders foundersfcu.com. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. Okay, to our conversation with Melanie Hall, mother of PJ Hall. And man, she is full of stories and insight about not just PJ, but about the whole family. It's quite a story, as you'll hear. Here we go. Enjoy. Okay, joined by Melanie Hall, the mother of PJ Hall. And just before I hit record, you said you were entertaining the idea of maybe having your own podcast. No, no, I was just joking. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be a good one. (laughs) Well, I might have a lot of material between all my kids and and Jerome, but but that's way down the road if that happens. (laughs) How do you, well, I guess just on that topic, um, juggling all those, uh, the, the, the different trajectories of, of all the different high level athletes in your family. Um, what, let's dive into that. What, what's that like? Oh, it, I, I really do not know how I did it. Um, I definitely can juggle, um, keep a lot of balls juggling in the air and uh, I'm a big multitasker. And that could be um, a skill or it just might be my ADD, but um, I'm able to do quite a few things at once and, and get them finished uh, for the most part, I think. But even when um, Thayer and PJ were still in middle and or elementary school and Christopher was playing at Anderson University and um, we would have middle school practice and, or a game 
And I would have to have a conversation with the coach ahead of time. They can't sing and talk after. Um, I got to grab them. And, and, and they would be sweaty from her little middle school basketball game. And, and we'd race to the car. And I would have sandwiches ready. And they would eat on the way to drive over to Anderson. And we'd pull in on two wheels and find a create a parking space and, and um, run in just in time for tip-off. And... They would do their homework. It was, you know, because I wanted to be there for Christopher, but I had to make sure they were getting their activities in. And um, I was just very thankful that Christopher was nearby at Anderson. And then when PJ's at Clemson, that's nearby. Now, Thayer being at um, University of Florida playing volleyball, that was a whole other ball of wax. But um, for a while, uh, I wasn't working full time like I am now. So it was a little easier to manage back then. For, for people who don't know the, the, the backstory, the current ages of, of Christopher Thayer and PJ. So Christopher is 30 and Thayer is 23 and PJ is 21. Okay. And then, and then, uh, Jerome, your and, husband, it, uh, not he, he played basketball at Wofford. He did. He played at Wofford. I played at College of Charleston. And um, that's another funny thing. It, when I'm, we're listening to the basketball games and they mention various parents who play different sports, and they always say, and his dad, Jerome, played at Wofford, <laughs> and he's an NCAA referee. And I'm like, hey, what happened to the College of Charleston? Is that chopped liver or something? But – because I, um, for a while, I also played volleyball, but um, but I ended up just um, sticking with basketball because that's why I was there, and it was too hard to manage two sports. But um, anyway, so yeah, um, Christopher is um, ten years older than PJ, and they actually had a pretty good um, span between them, relationship-wise as well. Obviously, because they're ten years apart, and. PJ did his job very well of being the annoying younger sibling. <laughs> and um, so it just kind of put some distance between them relationship-wise. But lots of blessings came out of COVID. I know it's not a blessing for a lot of people. But when being at home, that brought our family so close. And they forged um, such a beautiful relationship, all three of them. It was just such a wonderful family time that was forced and um, just a really nice thing came out of it. I've, I've got to follow up on him, PJ, doing a great job of being the annoying uh, little brother uh, back in the day. Got to have some details here. Oh, gosh. I mean, just everything. He he just, he would mimic Christopher. He would make the dumbest little jokes. And, of course, I would be rolling laughing, and Christopher would just be sitting there, like, glaring, like, that was not funny. And the funny thing was, and he hated when I said this, but I would look at Christopher because they looked alike also. And I would look at him and I would say, oh, my gosh, he is exactly like you were. Quit saying that. Quit saying <laughs> that. It was never like that. But they are so much alike. And um, it's a very funny um, thing when you see yourself 10 years younger and you are unwilling to accept that. When Christopher's growing up, like what's his, what was his journey like sports wise? Did he, um, was he recruited? Like what was his path to Anderson and, and just looking for maybe some more insight into that? I will say I have been approached by quite a few people about putting some kind of 
book together or guide together for parents because we really have run the gamut on experiences with recruiting. And his was a very different story. And um, he used to not like when I would share this, but um, I love to share it because I feel like it's so encouraging to that parent whose child is kind of in the middle Mm -hmm. and not really being, you feel like they're not being looked at. You think they have talent, but is it just, you're just their parent. So you just are that parent and the coach really wants to tell you, um, you know, he's not that kid, but I knew because we both played, I knew he had a lot of talent, but he was a late bloomer. I started him, quote, on time, so everybody else was a year older in his class. So uh, he just was a late bloomer, and um, he was cut and cut and cut all through high school, through his junior year, and he decided, I'm just going to enjoy my senior year. Um, He still played church league. He played men's league at church, not just the boys. He wanted to be challenged, and uh, he would still work out. And um, he just, he loved basketball so much and he had so much passion, but he just, his body wasn't there yet. He had like my body because back then, not anymore, but back then I looked like a praying mantis walking around. I had no meat on my bones and girls didn't lift weights back then. So we didn't do that. But anyway, he um, is registering for high school um, classes his senior year. The coach walked by him, who we love. Same coach as PJ's, um, Thomas um, Ryan. But um said, Chris, is that you? And he had grown several inches. He said, I hope you'll come out this year. And he was like, oh, I don't know. So I made him go out. Um, I said, just try it. Just try out. He asked you to. So he always said, because the boys would wear their warm-ups on game day. That's all I want to do, Mom. I just want to wear my warm-up on game day. And so he went to try out. He made the 15th chair. The coach sat him down and said, you're probably not going to play, blah, blah, blah. He came home, said, I got to pray about this. I don't know. I said, listen, God opened that door for you. And all you said was all you want to do is wear that warm-up on game day. So you have to jump through that door. So then he decided to go for the team and take chair 15 and um, accepting that he might not ever play. And then that year, Sharon Peak oh, wow. and um, shoot all those boys that um, Humphreys, Adam Humphreys. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Adam Humphreys, all those guys, he went to state. And so he missed the first eight games. So Christopher had to start and he started getting noticed by coaches who were there to see other boys. And um, anyway, finished his year um, still no offers got to summer, and suddenly there were non-qualifiers at all these programs. He ended up with 1D1 and 5D2 offers. He ended up going to Anderson University. He says he would do it all over again. Um, He loved it, and he never gave up. And um, I just think that that, I mean, there's a certain point where you might have to realize this is not going to happen for your child, but I knew in my gut he he could be part of a a good program somewhere and offer a lot not just here 15 and and um and thomas ryan gave him that chance and worked with him and and got him ready for college ball so i'm very appreciative of that and 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 that christopher never gave up as well and the other two they from early on were um especially thayer um i remember her 
uh, like her coach when she was 10, she wasn't her coach yet, but she ended up being her middle school coach. We were watching her um, at the gym where I worked and taught classes, and we looked through the glass, the window there, and she said, it's it's, it's going to be very hard to be Thayer Hall. And I looked at her. I had no idea what she meant. And um, she said, you'll understand one day, but just help keep her grounded and and um, and just always be there for her. And she was right. It was very hard. And um, I don't know. There's something different about a female, a really good female athlete, but um, it's hard to have friends the moms of those friends. It's a very odd um, thing. But we found some, we have found another family who had a very similar situation of ours, and the kids are all about the same age. And um, we started doing baseball with them. The dads coached together, and the mom and I, Susan, we, um, you know, sat in the stands together, and we got it. We got each other. We got our families, and we've been so close, and and that it turns out that um, Anna, so Jack was PJ's best friend all through school, but um, his twin sister Anna is now um, PJ's love of his life. So mm-hmm. um, we've come a long way. <laughs> and she, Anna played um, volleyball at um, Clemson. Okay. That's cool. Can you elaborate on, on how and why it is hard for a uh, 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 high level uh female athlete rising up through the ranks? Um, well, even for, even just down to coaches contacting, um, a female versus a male. And when they're so young, 12, 13, um, all those numbers, every time we gave out a number, it was mine. The email was mine. Um, and I wasn't, I'm not a, um, like, I let the kids make their own decisions. We didn't influence where they chose to go to school or anything like that. Camps, they chose their camps. Um, but as far as access to especially my daughter, I was um, more wary just because of my awareness. And I actually, in, in coming through college athletics as a female also, there were just some various influences that are out there that you'd rather, um, help them navigate than, um, than not. Uh, that's how I felt. Um, lots of influences and, you know, I had to give her long talks about recruiting trips and how that could go. And they were very frank talks and, um, and just, you know, what could be offered to her and, and and they and things were offered to her that shouldn't be offered to a minor and it was um and so she was instead of the shock that i had because my parents were clueless um and i might just have been naive but i just was so caught off guard on various visits that um that prepared me to prepare her so when you're prepared and you have a response ready I think especially a female, it's, I just think that's so much more healthy than going in um, with doe eyes and not being prepared. It's interesting because most people associate high stakes recruiting and the things that are sort of attached to that with just football and men's basketball. So it's interesting to hear 
that's also yeah. that's also very much associated with it's I guess it's not, it's not surprising, but it's still interesting, I guess. Very much because um, I think they're just trying to make it, quote, fun and a fun experience, end quote. But one person's idea of fun is not everybody's idea of fun. And, you know, it can really drive a kid away from that program. And it did. Like, can we talk in generalities here? Like, but specifically, like, what, what, what were we talking about? Well, um, alcohol and whatever goes with that and yeah. Um, relational. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's about as far as I'll go there. But and that was the same for me. And um, it, it's just an odd. I, I just don't know if it's that they think females are able to be coerced a little more easily than males. But um, it just can be very unpleasant and kind of scary. When you say the same with you, you're referring to your recruitment. When yes. You were, yeah. yeah, I am. That's why I was able to uh, prepare there and, and, and other moms and and there's friends, and um, when they were coming along, and one at high school or whatever that she knew, or I would at least talk to their moms, make sure they know that this could happen. When did she decide? Was there a point she had to dis- sort of decide on volleyball all in, and what, did she play other sports? Um, yeah, actually, she, she did um, high jump. In track, and she went to state for that, but that was really that launch was really affecting her knees. Well, the one knee, and so uh, she stopped doing that, and um, that was kind of sad because I think she could have been really good at that, but it was unhealthy for her. But um, and then she did basketball, which she actually was really good at, but she just ended up not um, enjoying that. It was, um, she prefers the only contact to be made is with her hand on a ball. Um, she didn't like the, the physicality that girls, it wasn't like that when I played, it was kind of physical, but, um, you, I mean, there were a lot more whistles blown when I played and, um, it's just a whole different sport now. And so she, that's not her preference. Did you and Jerome, are y'all Spartanburg folks? Uh, I grew up in Charleston, and Jerome grew up in Kingsport, Tennessee. Okay. What part of Charleston? Downtown on church. Um, My dad was the pastor at First Baptist um, on Church Street, and so I went to that school. Oh, okay. What brought y'all to Spartanburg? Um, I came up here. um, I started working with Denny's Corp, and um, that brought me up here. And... um, Originally, I was um, the first time I came, I moved up here for Sherman Chiropractic with Christopher's dad. And then we moved back to Charleston and he set up his practice. And then he went his way and I went mine. And then um, I was offered a position up here. So I moved back up here um, with Denny's Corp. And um, and that was a great stint. I loved working there. I traveled all over the place. And um, I stopped working after Thera was born. I just, her first trip abroad was to um, Costa Rica when I had to go there for Denny's. And um, I did a canopy ropes course when um, she was hanging out inside of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Jerome still didn't know I was expecting. But um, anyway, because I had he can't keep a secret, so I couldn't tell him yet. And um, so I finally told him about three and a half months in. <laughs> Is he still a ref? 
Uh, he actually just decided to not do it anymore this year. Um, he wants Chris, it's PJ's senior year. He, um, he loved it and it was a really great stint, but it, he missed a whole lot doing that because he, he had games when they had games and, uh, it was, so he missed a lot, but he's looking forward to having some free time and, and, um, you know, maybe getting to some, um, baseball games with Thayer and Ryan and PJ's games and whatever that might bring. And we have a grandson now, so just extra time now that helps a lot. What's the ballpark percentage of games you think of PJ's that Jerome was able to get to? Um, as he got more feathers in his cap, he was able to give some mark-off dates, but the more mark-off dates you give, the less games they give you because you're not as – you become more of a substitute teacher instead of a payroll teacher, you know. So, um, but um, he would probably get to about a third of them maybe. Mm-hmm. Including – and then I- like on the road, like pl- they're playing at pit. Um, okay, well, I'm driving up there because <laughs> it's, it's usually a drive for me. And then one time, I remember one time PJ had they had their where were they playing? Was it a first round in Indiana or something? And then uh, I drove up there, and then there was playing Kentucky. So I drove up, and then I drove. Um, through the night to get back down to Kentucky because that was a big deal. It was like a, um, it was a really big game for them. It was like a season. Um, I don't know. Some real big at Kentucky. So I wanted to be at both and, um, I was kind of a zombie, but I did it. Wow. And, and <laughs> is, is they are done at Florida? She is. Um, she is, um, she had a really good run. She could have had a COVID year, but um, she decided that her body was telling her it's um, it's about that time. Like to be done, period. Yes. Yeah, she had a lot of, and so did I. It's funny, that going back to having her, my phone number was hers. Um, I still get like a group text from USA Volleyball or something sometimes or a, a pro um agent or something because they think that my phone number is theirs but um so that still carries on but so she had lots of opportunities to carry on but um her her body just really um never leaving the court does a big number on your body especially when you're six three and you're diving a lot and it's just a lot so it doesn't sound like it was hard for her to make that decision it was kind of the obvious choice or it was an obvious choice, but it was gut wrenching. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was definitely an obvious choice, and um, and she wanted to. She and Ryan were making plans, and um, um, her her now husband, and so she just kind of saw God pushing her a different direction, and not to pursue more brutality on her tired body (laughs) she wanted to be able to walk when she was 40 so she decided to pull on back i'm always fascinated by the time when it's it's the time of for elite people who have you know elite athletes who have been you know the best player on the field or court their entire lives that's what they're have always been identified by and they 
it's over, you know, whether it's at age 23 or 29 or 30, even, you know, successful NFL players, that decision is made, or sometimes more often, I guess it's made for them, you know, when they're cut from a team or whatever. And it's just like, okay, what now? I just, it's hard to really fathom what that must be like because most people don't have any clue what it's like to be at that level, uh, just athletically your whole life. Uh, It is really, um, like I said, gut-wrenching, I think is a good word. And and some people uh, are truly lost after that. And I'm I'm thankful that Thayer had already been um, thinking a lot about it and praying a lot about it and just um, listening for God's direction in her life because that can really be um, just um, almost— it can be so life changing and not a positive way, and and some people just feel lost. And um, I th- I know Clemson has a, um, a, a department that helps with that transition, and I really appreciate that because, um, and I hope that every campus should has one if they don't already. But um, that I mean that would have been helpful to me when I graduated. I was like what now? And, um, I got an hourly job. I had, I was a restaurant assistant manager and I got an hourly job at an Omni hotel that was just opened in Charleston. And I was just kind of like, what do I do with myself? Everything's so regimented yeah. and you really don't have a choice about what you're going to do that day. And then suddenly there's no one there telling you. And also you're paying for everything all at once. You didn't used to pay for everything. Yeah. And there's nobody, and there's not uh, thousands of people cheering for you as you go to the Omni uh, for work every day. Oh, oh my gosh. The first time I went to College of Charleston, um, it had been a little bit since I could get to a game. And I used to walk in and be like, Melanie, how are you? And then I walked in one time, and my name wasn't on the list, but that had never been a problem. Anyway, I couldn't get in. And and it was during the game, so I wasn't going to text anyone. And I mean, I, I ended up, I paid for a ticket, but it was such an odd feeling. I'm like, don't you know me? <laughs> <laughs> but nobody knew and nobody cared. And not, and, but it was a really good kick in the pants for me. That one experience. I'm like, okay, well that's, that was a good run. <laughs> How many trips to Gainesville would you estimate you and y'all took during her oh, career? Goodness. Um, well, Jerome, pretty rarely because not only was he refing, but he was also, um, um, working full time. So he had both. So it was hard for him to coordinate both. And uh, while there was, I was working, but my, but the school was really good about my personal days I would ask for. And I would ask in advance cause I had the schedule and they worked with me. And if I could take a half day and leave at 1130, 1135, um, I could be down there um, cause it's six and a half hours and the games started at seven. And, um, and I rarely, if I'm with Jerome, we have to make stops, but if I'm by myself, I don't have to stop anywhere. And um, so I can just race in there and get there for the first serve. And uh, so I made it, it was a rare occasion, maybe when they played at Pitt um, or something like that. But even like her senior year, I think they opened out in California and, um, I just let Jerome know, um, just so you know, I'm going. 
So um, they had like several games, several matches out there and, and several different cities. And I just um, did that little road trip with them. And I just knew it wasn't going to, you know, you know, it's not going to last forever. And I just tried not to ever take it for granted. I just wanted to be there. And um, so, I mean, even when Christopher had to have a medical red shirt here, um, that was eye opening for me because he would text me and say, y'all are coming tonight, right? And I realized it wasn't just mm. you're coming to watch me play. It was you're going to be here, right? And so I broke my neck to be there when he wasn't even playing. And um, and I and it, so it, that was a good prep for me for Thayer and PJ because it it made me realize how important it was to my presence. And uh, even if Jerome couldn't, somebody was there. And, you know, my dad, I said he was a preacher. We had a ton of Saturday night games, and he preached on Sunday mornings. And I remember we were at playing at Francis Marion and in Florence, and there in Charleston. And, and, um, and I look up, and my mom had this whistle that she used to call us home when we were playing like at the battery or wherever in Charleston. We could hear it miles away. And, um, and she whistled from the stands and I was like, Oh my gosh, my parents are here. And, um, and, and, um, it was just, actually at that point they were, had moved to Winston-Salem. My senior year in high school, we moved to Winston-Salem, but, um, so, um, and I went to R.J. Reynolds Senior High that one last year. But so they were driving from Winston Salem, North Carolina to Florence, and um, they were at almost all of my games. And I didn't even think about it that they were there because they were just there. And Daddy had to preach the next morning. So anyway, that had an impact on me, and um, it's probably a big reason why. I mean, I would other parents on these teams would say how do you go to all these games how do you then someone i could tell didn't even really want to like they didn't mm. have the desire to be there and i'm like how do you not yeah <laughs> you know it's fitting that we're doing a pj hall related interview today because this is also the first time we're telling you about willie taco which hall has an nil deal with the company that also owns the great freight yard and flock shop in Spartanburg is run by Clemson People, and they have five locations for Willie Taco and its splendid brand of Fresh Fusion. Quick testimonial here. Recently took a party of 10 to the Easley location of Willie Taco. First time there for everybody in the group. Everything, the service, the cocktails, the food was just exceptional. Folks, this does not happen by accident. They do an amazing job across the board. The Easley location of Willie Taco is planning an event with PJ, so stay tuned for that. Easley address 5051 Calhoun Memorial Highway. The website is willytaco.com. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parham, Smith, and Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced, professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-35. How helpful was the experience of Thayer's recruitment and that whole process when PJ came along and was going through his own celebrity and uh, 
you know, all that his status sort of conferred during, when he was in high school? Well, um, I would just say it just helped me with um, talking with coaches. and Because really with Christopher's, there wasn't a whole lot of that. But um, with – sorry, Daisy's barking. But um, because uh, it was so late and um, – and, and we, you know, we would go on some visits, but all of the buildup leading up to Thayer's, um, you know, starting in eighth grade with her first offer, moving on up through her decision time in 10th grade, um, uh, and beyond that, because I continue to get coaches' calls and text messages um, and parents of um, players on those teams who were being used to still contact me to um, – to you know, to um, right like the night before the signing, people please don't don't wow. let her sign. You know, stand don't. for parents and all. But um, say that anyway. again. You broke up there. You said don't let her sign. Say that again. Oh, please don't let her sign on signing day. We, to, you know, like Stanford parents reaching out doing that, and and other coaches and various programs. It was a real. Um, I was really astonished at the. Um, um, inappropriate um, behavior, mm. <laughs> wow. but and now I'm not because it prepared me for with um, the boys. Now the um, with PJ, it was a whole other ball of wax. So just w- working with the coaches and feeling comfortable talking to coaches, knowing the right questions to ask, knowing what n- not to answer, letting PJ answer something instead of myself. All those things Thayer's experience prepared me for. But the experience was so different in that all the boys, they're all so, they're, they're, that brotherhood thing, they're so happy for each other and, um, and truly um, promote each other. And um, it's a, it's a very different uh, experience with boys versus girls. And the parents, for the most part, are very um, promoting of each other and and post about each other. And it's such a it was a really wonderful thing. Now, as far as the coaches contacting PJ from early on, he's like on his phone after this tournament and. And he kind of tossed his phone aside and he goes, I said, who are you talking to? I thought it was one of his teammates or something or his coach. And he goes, well, that was so-and-so, so-and-so from so-and-so. And he starts naming coaches. And he's like in the, you know, 10th grade. And he was a little, because boys, I think, a little bit later with all this. But um, so he was in the 10th grade again. That's where Thayer was getting offers in the 8th grade. Um, I think female, I hate to say prodigy, but female standouts are a little more rare than mm-hmm. male standouts. So when one is noticed, everyone notices, whereas there's a little more to go around with the boys. Um, so that was um, that's my observation. But anyway, so PJ gave his number out early. Nobody was um, – I was starting to get text messages about 11th grade when things were getting more serious and um, he would give them my, he would say, uh, hey, uh, Coach Brownell wants to um, talk to you and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, so it was just PJ, his was more personal for him. And um, but the social, the community, that was very different with boys versus girls. 
you think that was a product of volleyball, the sport, or like how do you what do you chalk that up to the the the, the significant differences between the two? That's a good question. It could it could very well be, um, but I don't know. But I do know there was a lot of um, catty behavior. That's pretty from, fascinating. From kids and parents. <laughs> wow. And I hate to say it, and if that burns someone's ears out there, you needed to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> because there's no, like if someone were coming to watch there, that means they're also watching your kid. So just tell your kid to play their best. Mm. I mean, that that's all I could say. I mean, they're not there to be laser focused on one kid. They're going to look at the teammates and because they're watching how she's going to interact with her teammates. How does she act when someone makes a mistake? How does she act when she makes a mistake? How are her teammates acting when she makes a mistake? Their eyes are on your kid too. So tell them to do their best. When do you recall that the relationship with Brad Brownell and Clemson really started to to get traction? How early was it, and what do you remember about it? Well, I remember his coming to Dorman to watch practice, and he is such a – he's so affable and relatable. And he just – you're just real comfortable around him. Some people you're just not so comfortable. They try really hard to – act like you can be comfortable around me but you you can tell when it's inherent and when it's an effort and I appreciate the effort but I like inherent better and um and Brownell always had that feeling about him and um I mean I have a very embarrassing story he called me one time (laughs) and um I was at work, and um, this is and this is one of the funniest stories that we share. But it's just I'm so comfortable telling this because I just love him, and um, and I know the circumstances around it, so I'm I'm okay with sharing it. But so I wanted so I'm in this area where there are several desks, so I wanted privacy. So we have a private restroom of men's and a women's and I went into the women's room and um, closed the door and just sat down so I'd be comfortable while I talked with him but when we were wrapping up I stood up and it was an auto flight (laughs) 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 and I said oh my gosh coach oh my gosh that I, I'm in the bathroom, but I'm not in the bathroom. And I was like, I'm so embarrassed. I came here for privacy. And he's like, he about, I think he's about to fall out of his chair. He was laughing so hard. But um, anyway, I will never forget that because I don't embarrass very easily. And when I do it, mainly because I embarrass myself, but that just cracked me up so much that happened. But I was just always so comfortable around him. And so was PJ. And, um, and then you find out later when you're talking to PJ after it's all said and done that it was always Clemson to beat, always Brownell to beat. And um, I know one hard decision for him because we have a personal relationship there was Mike Young at Virginia Tech. And, and it came down to those teams, but it was, it was always Clemson to beat, always Brownell. Mike, who coached Jerome, right? Yes, yes. At Wofford. He- room at Wofford and um 
and he's just, he's like family to us. We love him. And, um, we had a, after we beat them and, um, at Clemson, we were in the back hallway and, um, had the most wonderful little family time, sent selfies to Thayer because she couldn't be there. And she replied, oh, Mike. And it was a lot of emojis. And it, we just had a sweet relationship with him. Yeah, he said uh, after that game in the press conference, he said, his dad played for me. He's a lot better than his old man. His dad was a very good player. <laughs> we, were, we were Division Two when Jerome was with us. We had really good teams. That was early in my time at Wofford, 89, 90, 91. He said PJ has come on here like gangbusters. I think he had a very good year a year ago. He's just so much stronger and bigger. It really gives you a heartburn off that high ball screen stuff. If he gets his feet on the ground, he's dynamite. His work around the basket, he's big. He's got beautiful touch. He's always had a beautiful touch. Really cool stuff there. I mean, that sounds like a dad talking about his son. Like what coach is going to – I remember one coach after a volleyball game saying some very high comments about Thayer uh, out of Nebraska. But um, other than that, I don't remember a coach. And it wasn't endearing like that. It was just he was kind of miffed and it was kind of funny. I liked the coach, but it was just funny to listen to him because he was kind of ticked. But because we beat them and it was Thayer's freshman year and we weren't supposed to win. But and it was our opening, her freshman opening match and they beat Nebraska. And, um, but, but to hear Mike talk like that, that says a lot about just our family in general and, and how he feels about us and we feel about him. And he's just a great guy. Did PJ grow up a Clemson fan? No, no. He, okay, so um, the Renwicks, um, Anna's his girlfriend, and Jack is her twin, PJ's best buddy. And then Adam Renwick played baseball at Clemson. And um, so he, um, he, because Jack was a diehard Clemson fan, I think just to get under his skin, he went with the Gamecocks. One Christmas, and I have a great picture of it, all he wanted was for his whole room to be decked out in Gamecocks. His bunk beds, his um, the, a fat head on the wall, a rug on the floor, comforters, um, just banners, everything Gamecocks. And so that Jack would have to spend the night in there. And- <laughs> when was this? He was like 10 or 11. <laughs> and so he was always, and he has, we have Gamecock, and it's still mess, I was about to say, but we're all over his room. Uh, Gamecock stuff. Are you serious? Yes, but it's actually, it's not his room anymore. It's a guest room now. But like, you know, when you peel those fat heads off, it makes it like, so, so there's stuff on the walls of Gamecocks. <laughs> wow. That is awesome. Oh gosh. Yeah, he's in a different room now, so he's got pretty <laughs> clean walls. <laughs> so it sounds like you said it came down to Clemson and, and Virginia Tech. It sounds like the relationship part was a the massive part of his decision making more than sort of who he favored growing up, I guess. Is that is that accurate? Oh, for, sure. for sure. Like he um he liked um he even liked Frank Martin at South Carolina, but he didn't want to go to school there. Um, he, you know, that we, 
we went for a visit there and um it was an interesting visit but um it was really because you know we just felt like it it was a bad look for him not to and uh and we liked frank and um so he he went to visit there but that was never on his radar screen you said it was an interesting visit what do you mean we'll just leave it at that okay <laughs> <laughs> But we did like Frank. That I'll leave it at that too. You talking extracurricular stuff that we were talking oh, about earlier? It was a. It was um, Jerome, PJ, and I went together because it was the last day before you, before the cutoff date, and and so we went for a day visit and just squeezed one in and um, just really completely as a shout out to Frank. That was all it was, and. Um, and, you know, it was, it was, I actually saw some things at South Carolina that I didn't know existed. And uh, so I was kind of impressed. I used to just think it was a lot of concrete. <laughs> and uh, I mean, really, I, it, the contrast of that to um, Clemson is night and day. And um, I remember Christopher took a Clemson visit when he wanted to go play ball. Uh, we took a visit there and, um, and I remember kind of, you know, pardon me, but kind of eye rolling at walking in because we had so many people with, um, you know, orange front doors and stuff that we knew up here. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just have an open mind. And because because I went to college at Charleston, we didn't have football. Uh, I went to Citadel football games. First Baptist school didn't have football. I was just never into that whole scene. And um, and I, I can take it or leave it. I'll go to Clemson games and I have a blast, but I don't live for it. You know, it's just, that's just not in me. And it, that's okay. And it is in other people. But anyway, so we did our tour and about an hour into it, and we had a tremendous kid doing our tour. And um, it wasn't a basketball tour, by the way. It was just a campus tour. And I said, I get it. Mm. It was, I walked out of there. I wanted to paint my door orange. It was (laughs) amazing. I got it. I understood. And until, unless and until you experience something like that, you're going to do the eye roll because you just don't get it. But I get it now. So what year was, what uh, year was this? That days. would have been his senior year, and he was class of 2010. Okay. Wait, class of 2020, you mean? No, that was Christopher, sorry. Oh, Christopher, that, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, Christopher uh, was not going to play ball in college, and so he was just looking at schools. And so we said, well, let's go tour Clemson. And we did. And a graduate of Dorman um, did the um, tour. And, um, so we knew him and so he made it a little extra personal, which I was thankful for in the end because boy, did I fall in love with Clemson at that time. So you were fully sold on Clemson before PJ's recruitment uh, even started. A hundred percent. And I would have been fine if he went to play at Virginia Tech, but I sure love the fact that, um, the, his number one was, um, an hour and a half down the road. Cause that six hour drive down to Gainesville. <laughs> would do it but it sure wasn't fun (laughs) do you think pj uh that it would have had any effect on where he ended up had you not been sold on clemson had you not gotten it or would that not have made any difference 
Oh, I kept my mouth shut about schools um, with all of them. I did not want them to look back at me and say, you wanted me to go here, and they weren't happy. Yeah. Their decisions were their decisions, and I, I did that with all of them. Um, now, if I saw a red flag with a coach during any of their recruiting, I spoke up, and I saw many during PJs, many. What do red flags look like? Um. In-home visits with very off-color jokes at the family table. Hmm. Um, just very uncomfortable conversations that shouldn't be happening. Um, and then I am thinking, oh, so this is how you are in front of me. And you're going to mold my son into the man he's going to be. <laughs> okay. Um, and then one one time, I'm going to tell this because this, I find this to be fascinating. I'm not going to say the school, and a lot of people know this school because I know this story, but um, I kept a list because every time we would go somewhere on a visit, on an official, an assistant coach would call me and say, hey, what are some of PJ's favorite snacks? We want to put them in his hotel room. And I was, I would do it off the cuff. And so finally I opened a notes um, page in my phone and made a list. And I asked PJ, you know, if you could have snacks in your room, what would they be? And I just wrote it all down. Well, one official visit was coming up. We were leaving that day and he was still at school and I was at home and, um, and we're going up for the weekend. And, I texted the assistant coach I'd been in touch with, who's not there anymore. He's a head coach. Oh, no, he just got fired, so that's okay, too. But anyway, so I texted him, and I said, um, hey, um, oh, by the way, I drink a ton of water, so I always take a case of waters with me. And so I was asking him, are there going to be um, waters in the room? Or should I bring this case? I'm about to throw a case in the car, but I won't. Because it's kind of embarrassing to check into a hotel and get your case of waters out. It, like, So if they're going to have waters in there for me, that'd be great. And I didn't feel like that was asking for a lot. We weren't asking for a suitcase of money. I wanted a $4 case of waters. <laughs> and, I mean, I could not believe how he reacted to the case of waters thing. And then I was like, oh, gosh. And then I said, um, texted him again, and I said, hey, um, do you want, so a lot of people want to know PJ's favorite snacks, and um, I have that list if you want it. And that was a lesson for me, and that I would tell other parents. I was trying to force leveling the playing field so that his snacks would be there, and that would not be one thing that would be missing, which would throw off his perception of that program. I mean, how idiotic of me to even think that way. And so I texted him that and the phone rang and he called me yelling at me you y'all coming here for a visit and you're going to be asking me if you're going to have waters and you want to know if I want to know what snacks PJ wants what kind of <laughs> program you think we're running here blah 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 what I mean he was 
Oh, sorry, Daisy. My dog's getting upset. But um, <laughs> I, he, I can't even tell you. That's not even close to how he was talking to me. He went nuts. Well, PJ comes home while he's talking to me. He said, who is that? And I showed him my screen and it said his name. He said, hang up. Mm. And I hung up. And PJ called the head coach to talk to him. Because PJ had been at the steps listening a while. I didn't know it. And because um, I'm like going, hey, I was trying to help you. I didn't, I didn't, wasn't f- trying to offend you. I was trying to help you if you wanted to know his, I mean, I truly innocently was trying to help them, which I shouldn't have. And that's a great lesson. But um, anyway, um, PJ talked to the head coach and canceled his, he said, I don't know if I can play for a program with a coach who thinks it's okay to talk to my mom like Mm. that. And he canceled his trip. And then, you know, 30 minutes later on Twitter, they're saying they canceled his trip. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's, so that was a big win as far as I'm concerned. That was a, um, an eye-opening experience, not just for that program, but in general, but especially for that program, and, um, of course, I root against them whenever they play, and <laughs> it has gone well so far. <laughs> uh, on top of being indecent is not good recruiting. <laughs> no, I, I, was, I was appalled. I was going, what in the world? I couldn't believe that he wouldn't say, well, yeah, yeah. it's Sour Patch, thanks for telling me. I mean, all it was was like Pop-Tarts and Sour Patch kids. I wasn't like he was asking for like gold-plated um, chocolate-covered almonds or anything. I mean, it was such a strange experience, but a lot learned in those, you know, 20 minutes. So that was, yeah, and he's really, you know, you saw a lot of, you saw who the people were. And those are the same people who were inappropriate at my dinner table. So, mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. If you're in the Columbia or Sumter or PD areas and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home, commercial property, land, need to consider reaching out to Uptown Realty. They're based out of Sumter and run by a friend of mine, Patrick Enzer, big Clemson guy, used to cover the Tigers in a newspaper capacity, longtime supporter of Tiger Illustrated, longtime listener to the Dubcast. The home buying process should be an enjoyable experience, so let Patrick and his staff do all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call 803-774-0435 or go to Uptown Realty SC. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Can we run down the list of the obstacles, the 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 series of obstacles that 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 PJ had to confront dating to I guess late in his sophomore season when he's basically playing on one foot late that season and then has surgery and then Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm, I apologize if I'm not getting the details right here. But then that summer has to have another surgery. Uh, this on his knee, uh, and then 
uh, after missing the entire offseason, um, has to get back into has to get back into playing shape during the season. Um, and then yeah. and and then on top of that, off the court, and I I don't want to get too personal here, but Brad Brownell during an interview we had a couple of weeks ago said something people didn't realize he was going through at the time was. Um, lost a very close um, friend, and I guess Anna's father passed away unexpectedly. Am, am yes. I getting that right? It's terrible. Yeah, it was. Um, I'm and I'm sorry. I, I know y'all are y'all are close, but I'm just trying to give people a sense of of just how 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 much he had to overcome over, I guess, in less than a year. Yeah, it was. Um... It was quite a bit and um, physically, emotionally, spiritually just ran the gamut on all the things that he could possibly go through. And um, I just I just remember one visit here. He was home and um, and he was getting ready to leave and I'd hugged him goodbye. So I took um, Daisy out for a walk and um so he was, he, he's really good at, with that facade and uh, being strong and um, playing around with the family. And then, so he got in his car and he was, he has to come past me to leave the neighborhood. And he did a little silly move and uh, honked his horn like he's trying to scare me and, um, and then he rolled down his window, and I gave him a hug, and and he just sat there, and he was just staring at me. And then his bottom lip started quivering, mm. and he just said, Mom, just pray for me. And so in that moment, he said so much that he couldn't say, but he was really suffering a lot, and, um, and you know, it, what he, he was suffering physically and emotionally, and um, and spiritually, not spiritually, he was strong spiritually, but just his spirit was breaking some. And and on top of that, the person he loved the most, her 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 dad passed away, and and those are truly our our best friends, and and we're intertwined with them. Susan's my best friend. David was Jerome's best mm. friend, and um, so he he just. It was seemed like so much was piling up, and he was just trying to figure out what is God trying to show me in all of this. And um, and I believe the biggest takeaway was that um, the one thing that didn't change was God, and he just leaned on his faith through all of that, and 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 came through it, and um, obviously, and but he there is that is so hard to describe what those that year and a half were like for him um I'll tell you one thing I really appreciated was that when it came time for him to um go up for his knee surgery wait his foot surgery Mm -hmm. um that was in Wisconsin and they put me on the plane with him and I got to go and um be his support and um, and Brad, um, um, not Brownell, shoot, I'm drawing a blank on, on the trainer. Um, but Brad went with us and, um, he was wonderful. And, um, 
Crow, sorry. Yep. I just drew a quick, quick blank. Brad Crow, he's amazing. So, um, but I appreciated that so much, and I know PJ did, and and um, until you go through that, I'm sure a lot of people think, oh, a big guy like that, oh, oh, they had to send his mommy with him. It, it, there was so much going on, and the fact that they thought enough of him and us to um, provide that to PJ, provide that support, because he would have been fine if just Brad went, but... When he found out I was going, I know that he was very glad about that. I appreciated that so much. So then how far removed was he from that when in practice? I think he had just come back, right, and was in practice when when the knee? He was. He was in practice, and um, he got banged from the side. He's got this odd situation. He has a shallow um, I can't think of what it's called, the well that the patella sits in. His is kind of shallow, and so there can be a lot of movement there. And um, anyway, um, he got knocked from the side with somebody else's knee, I think. And, um, it's, you know, just a freak thing. No one to blame. It just happened. And, um, yeah, so it tore some um, tissue it would hold his patella in place. So they thought they were going to have, it was a kind of an in-operation decision, and that was done um, more locally there. Um, but um, so they decided in, while he was in um, surgery that they were not going to do the more extensive thing. They thought it looked good with what they could do there and repair the connective tissue. And um, he came out, the surgeon came out and thought um, it went really well. And, um, and PJ feels great, so apparently he was right. So all that's been a um, a blessing that they've had such good surgeons' hands on him. And then Anna's father passed. Was that December? It was. He. Um, it, there was so much going on at that time, Jack plays baseball at Wofford and he had sustained a horrible eye injury, a ball ricochet and hitting him in the eye socket. And, um, what they thought was going to be lost vision in that eye, it turned out, you know, at the time just to be not all the way lost, but shadows. And so he's being told his baseball career is over. And the very same week, um, Anna, has decided to retire early and medically retire from volleyball and not do her senior year. And her senior night was that night. And, um, he passed away that morning. Mm. And so she lost her dad. Her senior night never happened. Jack's baseball, um, injury. And it just, it was just so much all at once and um and he had um you know just to for clarity um the the medical reason was you know blockage and um he had you know cardiac arrest and of course the children are going to um internalize you know what role did I have in this and the answer to that is absolutely none it was just all happening at once, and um, 
And he was truly, if there were ever a person that was like a second dad to someone, that's what he was to PJ. And then that's the love of his life's dad. And um, it was just unreal, his trying to pull himself together for all that. He was really struggling. And um, so anyway, um, that was a huge loss and still is. And um, so we're just, you know, it's just a day-by-day thing. And, um, yeah, but that, that affected him tremendously and 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 it can't help but impact uh, your season I mean I I was um I was going to be a child psychologist and I had some kids who were my um three case studies in my senior year and um I ended up having to change my major uh, or my life, I kept my psychology major, but I changed my life direction and didn't go to grad school because my advisor wisely told me this, you're going to end up a psychologist statistic because you internalize too much of this. Mm. You're not objective enough. So, you know, those, I didn't even know those children. It was affecting everything I did. So to lose some, fast forward to this, to lose someone so close to you and so important in your life, um, it can't help but impact. Um, how do you focus on, you know, sealing and shooting a basketball yeah. when your heart is broken? With the recent NBA draft evaluation process, uh, I think it started with most people, including yours truly, saying, oh, it's just, he's just going to get an evaluation. And uh, like most everyone else in the past, uh, he'll, he'll come back. But then it becomes more and more obvious that, oh, PJ is fully healthy for the first time <laughs> in a long time. And he's turning some heads and open, opening some eyes. And I know some folks will maintain, oh, he was coming back all along. But I know this. There were some folks in the basketball offices at Clemson who were getting kind of nervous. What was your perspective of that whole thing? And what was the the reality in your mind as that as that went along? Well, he was um, very healthy, like you said. And so I knew going into it, he was going to surprise some people. And, um, and that did happen. And th- the phone calls that I was getting from people who wanted to represent him, um, reminded me that I wasn't, it wasn't just a mom's eyes seeing it. So, um, yeah, he did really, really well. And I don't think he surprised himself. Uh, I think that's how he felt going in that he was going to um, do really well. And, and he did, and he just, if anything, you know, he upped his stock and he's just excited about coming back for another year. So was there any point where you, where he or, and, or you are thinking he might go? Well, I would talk with the person who actually is representing him and, um, also another one who was the second runner up and who I still contact a little bit every once in a while, but just more on a friendly basis. And, um, and they were both saying he could definitely stay in and do well 
but he would probably do better if he came back and had a banner season at Clemson, had a really fun senior year, and then entered next year. So that I kind of my feeling was, of course he can do it, but my gut said he would be back, and I was really hoping for that too because mm-hmm. I wasn't ready for um, him to that sudden all of a sudden oh they're not going to be here anymore like when Mary Wise called me from Florida in October and said um, Mel I need to talk to you about something and I said I can't I can't talk to you about that and I hung up on her I knew what she was calling about and she wanted there to graduate in December and come on to Florida and so then she called me back in about 10 minutes because she knew I was upset and and because I knew also all the stuff there was going to miss. and But I knew for her career she needed to go. But anyway, so that was really hard. That sudden, oh, I don't have you for six more months. Um, bye. Yeah. So it's not it's not easy. But um, so I was glad that he chose to come back for another season. It seems like in today's world, it's a much more transactional, you know, um, I'm going to go and get what's good for me, whatever. There's a lot more of that now, but it seems like PJ really cuts against that grain in that everything I've observed of him, he's like the consummate college player in that he's grabbing the microphone after after games to talk to the fans and the way he his body language, he's almost communicating with the student section at home. And um, by all accounts, he just seems to really – treasure being at Clemson playing for Brad Brownell and, you know, pursuing his, his degree. You have summed him up very well. Um, that is accurate. Thank you. I will say there was this one, um, group we talked about, talked with about representing him and, um, they were very, it was a very, to me, a very uncomfortable conversation. It was all about what um, what Brad knows what you're worth, and Brad's going to give you this, and we're going to get you this, and just on and on and on. And, and you know, with this, this NIL stuff, um, he's not going to turn anything down that someone says, hey, this is what we're doing, and he's not going to say, no, I, no, I'm not taking that. But he's also not going after extra gravy and um you know so this group was just very aggressive and um and I even and I could tell that PJ was getting uncomfortable about it and and so I said you know I just want to say um it just feels kind of greedy and that's just not at PJ's core and and they like jumped all over this isn't greedy this is and I get what they're saying but it was they were not reading the room well or reading PJ well. He was squirming. He was literally sweating. And um, anyway, he didn't go with them um, because he said they were saying what they're going to say to Brownell and he's going to do this. And, that, and he's, PJ says, uh, no, no, I don't want you doing that. And they're like, but why? He'll do it. He, he knows. He knows he needs to. Do. no. I don't want you doing that. I mm. loved it. Wow. 
such a strange time in this in the college it athletics right now. It really <laughs> is. It really is. Their jokes about that she was born four years too early, but in the same breath she'll say, "But thank goodness I didn't have to deal with that." Wow, it's, as someone who could have commanded a lot of money, even she is saying, "Right." Glad I mean, she was the number one recruit mm. in the nation per year. And the whole nation, the number one recruit, she could have gone anywhere and demanded anything these days. But, um, you know, she got her sneakers and her gear and she was good. <laughs> and and, and you, you alluded to this and PJ Clemson, it sounds like, well, or at least the, the collective um, certainly made it worth his while to come back, which. Oh, right. It, he was, But if that hadn't changed, it did. It did. There was a bump, and I don't know all the details, but it was a, a pretty good bump. But he was, I don't, if it had stayed the same, PJ loves Clemson, and a dollar figure doesn't change that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I'm almost done, unless you have anything else. But I have to ask if you can confirm this. Um, Brownell, during our interview, was just talking about his growth you know, since his freshman year, and he he says, you know, he was immature as a freshman, and I was like, well, what, what do you mean? And he says, well, he's just, you know, he's kind of goofy, you know, he, he's locked his keys in his car multiple times when it's been on. When it's been on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we had to come over there and get it open. <laughs> but see, here's the thing, speaking of goofy, he owns driving that Impala. That Impala was my brother-in-law's mother who who is deceased now and they were um getting rid of her estate and we were like well we'll take that and we bought that and um and Jerome just bought it for getting good gas mileage going back and forth to his road games he had to get to instead of flying and um and when it came time for PJ to drive a car um we gave him the keys to that and he is like he he could not care less about as long as it something gets him there. Like that car has so many goofy issues. Like when you turn it off, it clicks. The fan <laughs> clicks inside of it for the next forty five minutes, and um and then it, it is so fun. But so there's no remote. The point of the age of the car, there's no remote, and he that's how you can lock the keys in it. You know you can't do yeah. that now. And he does that. He like it so it's running and he had to he got out and I'm so glad he was responsible. He remembered to lock his door and he just forgot to turn his car <laughs> off. I guess his key. But he is he is kinda goofy. So hopefully he'll make enough money to hire a personal <laughs> assistant that will handle all those things for him. <laughs> what year's the Impala? Let's see. I think it's like a ninety five. I'm not positive. Okay. I think 95, maybe a 90. It might be like a 92 or not. It's some. It's early 90s. And he still has it. Oh, yeah. It only had like 3,000 miles on him when we got it because that lady, um, his mom, uh, hardly drove it. She drove it to Harris Teeter and back, you know. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> but um, anyway, so... Yeah, he is, he's always been, and he still has that, um, so the, here's the good part of that. So he's always been silly, 
joking around all the time. And when he first was there, Hunter was like, PJ, that's not funny. Stop. Cut it out. That, don't joke like that. So they found a happy medium. PJ got more serious and Hunter, he cracked Hunter's more serious shell. <laughs> and now Hunter jokes around a little better. So um, Tori, Tyson, and I laugh about their good impact on each other. And um, Hunter will forever be appreciated by our family. We just um, love his leadership and guidance of PJ through the years. Well, I've been around Clemson basketball games a long time, and there have been rare players who have a presence you can feel in the building. And both Hunter and PJ certainly have that. And uh, really yeah. looking forward to watching him uh, this coming season. Uh, should be should be a, a heck of a thing to watch with him pairing with uh, Joe Garrard and and all the other the other guys. So I don't know if is there anything I haven't covered that I've missed that you wanna that you want to chat about. Well, I'll just throw um, one other thing out there about Brad and the whole staff. We just love the staff. Um, and not just those um, coaches you always hear their names, but the ones you don't hear and the trainers and the strength and conditioning and um, nutrition. It's just an amazing program and the academic advisors and the compliance office. Everybody's just been so wonderful. But, um, but I just want to say one thing about Brad Brownell. Um, and as PJ's gone through those difficult times, as demanding as Brownell can and should be of their time and talents, he shifted gears, downshifted in a major way. And coasted a little bit through those times with PJ and really helped him. And he helped me. I called him one time and um, I just was, I just told, I might have been after that time out there in the car when PJ asked me to pray for him. But, and he just listened to me and I was just sobbing. And um, he was so sweet. And, um, you know, most people just see one side of him. But, um, I, I got I have had many glimpses into um, his kind heart and he's so caring and he really does care about those guys and uh, you know there are if parents call me about various programs there I'm very honest and I would in a heartbeat send my best friend and their kid to Clemson um, I can't say that about other programs powerful stuff there but melanie thank you for sharing so much of your time with us this has been a fantastic conversation well thank you i enjoyed it go tigers great stuff there on so many levels from pj hall's mother greatly appreciate her participation also thanks to our sponsors including willie taco our good friends over there and easily i have gotten to know their ownership and management quite well from playing Lots of music over at the freight yard in recent years, and they are just first-class people all the way around. Really glad to have them aboard here. Also glad to have all y'all aboard, hitting that play button every week. Really appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers.